uh, braved the cold last week and were here in worship or participated in our um, online worship, you might feel like this is the same story you heard last week. And while it's not the same exact text, it is the continuation of where we left off last week. And just as last week, Pastor Chad could not talk about the words that Jesus spoke to his hometown crowd without also including their reaction, which is this week's text, I can't really talk about the reaction without reminding you about the words that caused the reaction, which was last week's gospel. So let's just do a quick recap of last week. Jesus headed to Nazareth, his hometown, and he went to the synagogue as one does, but it was his home synagogue. This was kind of a big deal, and he got up and he read from the Holy Scripture. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. If you were here last week, you heard Pastor Chad remind us that this was a well-known verse, that those listening were likely mouthing the words along and feeling a lovely dose of hope and encouragement. So how does it go downhill so quickly? Jesus tells them that this prophecy that they know well, that they have heard for years, has been fulfilled today. Fulfilled meaning that Jesus is telling this gathered crowd the thing they have been hoping for and waiting for is going to come true, has come true right now. And that is some good news, right? And that is where we pick it up today. If you were here last Sunday, you know the reaction of the hometown crowd is not so positive. You heard it here read this morning. They try to throw Jesus from a cliff, for goodness sake. So how does this good news become such a threat? This is a story at its core about privilege. Now, I know that this is a loaded word these days. Some of you may have just bristled a little when I said it. Some of you maybe got uncomfortable right away. The word privilege literally means a special right, advantage, or immunity granted to or available only to a particular group or person. Privilege. Most of us have it in some way or another. I am a straight, middle-class, white, college and seminary-educated Christian lady. So, yeah, I've got kind of a lot of privilege. And honestly, we like our privilege. So much so that when someone tells us that we are somehow the recipient of any kind of privilege based on our gender or our skin tone or sexual orientation, we tend to react pretty defensively. Because we have been taught from infancy that hard work and good behavior brings good things. It's not just given to us based on an arbitrary set of factors. And we truly, truly believe this about God as well. 
We believe that if we act well and love God and go to church and treat people pretty well, minus those few that kind of bug us, then we are up higher on the list. If we've been here at this place longer than somebody else, we're a little higher on the list in God's eyes. We feel like we will get some kind of advantage from God. Now, I'm not saying this to make anybody feel guilty or shamed, but to remind us where we are in this gospel story. See, privilege is not just a modern phenomenon. It's not just a thing that started happening in the last few years just because it's kind of a buzzword right now. Privilege was alive and well when Jesus stood up all those years ago to read from that familiar and beloved passage in Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim release to the captive, recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free. The people hearing the word that Jesus read them on that day, they thought, oh, this is about me. And as Pastor Chad reminded us last week, they have always thought it was about them. And Jesus adds something to it. This story has given them comfort and hope throughout the years. And in those first moments after Jesus says he is the one they have been waiting for, I believe they all sit and think, wait, isn't this Joseph's son? Like Joseph from down the road, he is one of us. I see this as amazement, not cynicism as we so often read it. Greek doesn't give us an emotion in the words, but their later reaction to me makes a lot more sense if this is amazement. You guys, this is Joseph's son. He is one of us. We are in. They think they're going to get special treatment because Jesus is theirs. He is one of them. He came home to tell them, the hometown church, that they are the one, that he is the one they've been waiting for. And oh my gosh, it's so amazing, we get it first. He's one of us. And Jesus knows that this is where they're going in their heads because he calls it out right away. He says, I'm sure you're going to say, doctor, heal thyself. Or you're going to tell me to do here in my hometown as I have done elsewhere. Truly, I tell you, no prophet is accepted in their hometown. And then Jesus tells Two well-known stories of prophets who don't offer help and healing to the Israelites, but instead to outsiders. And not just any outsiders, but he picks two people that his community really don't like. People they really don't think deserve a little leg up from God. A Syrian and a widow from Sidon. Now this might not make a lot of sense to us now, but... Those were the enemies of Israelites. They did not interact. They did not talk. They did not help. They did not do anything. They did not have anything to do with people from Sidon or Syrians. 
They were in their little Israelite small town bubble of Nazareth, and this Jesus guy who grew up with them comes and says, Oh, I'm not here for you. I'm here for those over there that you actually hate. And it goes over pretty much like you'd expect it to, right? They banish him from the town, take him to the cliff, and they throw him over. And it's all very dramatic and biblical, and it feels oh so removed from our daily lives, right? We hear this story, and we think, yeah, but we know more now. Maybe we'd like to think we wouldn't respond in this same way. After all, we are the insiders. We are the ones who are here. As Pastor Chad said last week, we have more in common with the ones throwing Jesus over the cliff than we'd like to admit. Because we, too, if we are really honest, want special treatment and points for good behavior, and Jesus looks at us and says, yeah, You're not what I'm here for. So the question I have when hearing this story in front of us today is, what do we do, we do, when God's promises aren't just for us? What do we do when the privilege we thought we were owed, or we hadn't really even taken the time to realize we assumed was ours, is expanded to include everyone else. This story is a moment of pure gospel, and the people hearing it are filled with rage. Not joy, rage. Because of the gospel, because of good news, which is just a reminder of how we, too, respond when we truly come into contact with the gospel. We don't actually like it that much. In fact, rage feels about right most of the time. Pastor Chad and I read a portion of a sermon from Martin Luther King two weeks ago, and I, as we did it, I had a, a reminder of an author and activist, Austin Channing Brown, told me who, uh, she told me we quote Martin Luther King so often in small snippets because it's hard to be truly threatened by someone who's dead. And I've kind of started to think we do this with Jesus, too. He isn't around to call us out when we start to expect things. When we twist and pervert the gospel to make it something it was never intended to be. But we do have this story of Jesus coming into church and calling his hometown crowd out. And it is a word for us, too, if we're willing to hear it. The gospel is good news, but that doesn't mean we always want to hear it or we will always really like it. But it is only good news for me if it is good news for everyone, right? So if you hear nothing else this morning, if you are still stuck on the fact that your pastor is up here talking about privilege and you are not comfortable with it, hear this. If Jesus were here today, 
he would get up and say the same things to us now. The Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captive, sight to the blind, and to let the oppressed go free. See, this is good news only if it includes everyone else. Privilege means we think it's about us and we get to decide who's in or out. But Jesus says, this is not how this works. Who I am here for is not the wealthy or the powerful, the corrupt or those on the inside. I'm not here for those who are already here. Who I'm here for is the poor, the captive, the oppressed, the blind. So yes, this is good news because we have been freed and loved and we are here. But it is especially good news for the people your privilege hurts. The people who you have been taught to look down on or to hate. The people who you have judged. I include me in this you. This is a big you. The people who we have judged, excluded, mistreated for their sexual orientation or their skin color or their gender identity, for the way they look or act or dress or what they believe. Writer Robert Jones says, we can disagree and still love each other unless your disagreement is rooted in my oppression and denial of my humanity and right to exist. See, if your gospel is rooted in the oppression of any person, of the denial of the humanity of any person, or the right to exist of any person, then it is not good news. Good news includes you and everyone else. And if it's just good news for you, then it is probably not good news. If it is If your gospel tells gay kids they're a mistake and they should take their own lives, it's not the good news. If your gospel tells women they should sit down and be quiet, it is not the good news. If your gospel tells young men to chase down and shoot a trans woman, it is not the good news. If your gospel has been used to tell people they are inferior based on nothing more than the color of their skin, it is not good news. If your gospel says our country is somehow better and more deserving than any other country, it is not good news. If your gospel says you are special and everyone else is not, they are somehow on the outside just needing to say the perfect thing to get in, then it is not good news. And if you hear all of this and it makes you mad, then you are in good company today. What Jesus preaches today is hard. That town of Nazareth tried to throw Jesus, the Son of God, the Savior of the world, off of a cliff because they didn't like what he had to say. I'm really glad Minnesota's flat, actually, right now. So yeah, it's... Hard. So 
So how are we who are here who are getting this hard news? How are we to respond? How are we to respond to the news that is for the poor and the oppressed and the captive when we are none of those things? See, this gospel is for you. It is for you. You're going to hold out your hand and you are going to hear for you. And this gospel is for liberation and for life and for love. It is good news. It is. And I know that I am very much preaching to the hometown crew today, those who are here. But it's kind of the point that Jesus is making, isn't it? He gets up and preaches to the ones who know these words, who have it memorized, who understand somewhere in their head that this is what it means to believe in the good news. But they just need a moment to be reminded that it's not actually about them. So this morning I say it's time for us, those who are not oppressed, who are not captive, who many of us are not poor, for those of us who are primarily in this community, upper and middle class white people, to speak up on behalf of those who are oppressed, who are captive, and who are poor. This message is hard, but we need to hear it. I need to hear it. I too need to be called out to be reminded of my place of immense privilege and how I can use my place to join in the gospel of liberation and love for the sake of the whole world and accept nothing less. Jesus stands up this morning and says, I have been anointed to bring good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives, to let the oppressed go free. This, with you, is the year of the Lord's favor. It can be the year of the Lord's favor.